Welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Wanted to address an obvious issue with the pandemic going on, that is coronavirus. We've had to come up with uh, creative and different ways to record podcasts. And one of the best ways to do that we found was through Zoom calls. So there's a visual element to those that are able to watch it uh, on the internet or their phones. But obviously the audio element has taken a bit of a hit and that we're not able to record it the, the way we want from an audio standpoint. So please bear with us uh, through this time. We still feel like the interviews are great. Uh, the guys are, are very receptive to the Zoom calls, and it still is an opportunity to show you how the guys are handling this epidemic, uh, both mentally and what they're doing to, to stay in shape physically. So uh, I hope everyone out there is healthy. Uh, we appreciate your support and uh, keep listening. Enjoy. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining in today. Uh, joined by a special guest. Uh, for those of you that are a fan of the, the beautiful game and uh, skills and tricks and, and youthful exuberance, uh, you'll be happy to see who I have today. We've got Tommy Thompson on here. I'm Bobby Boswell, BB. We got uh, TT on it, not Taylor Twelman, the new, the new blood, Tommy Thompson. So uh, Tommy, thank you for, for coming on today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, I know when we talked about doing, uh, doing a, a Zoom uh, type, type video that you were the first person that came on. I think, I think part of it's because you've been so proactive uh, in this quarantine time. Uh, you know, I, I think you've always been active on social media and, and with your personal life, but I think especially now people are really getting a chance to, to consume uh, what you're putting out there and uh, tell us about, you know, kind of what you've been doing lately, uh, skills, challenges, and, um, you know, I noticed your shirt, you've been wearing this and a lot of the stuff you do. <laughs> T tell us about what you have going on. Yeah, so it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, you know, it I think the training moratorium took everyone by surprise. Uh, I remember we had planned to take a, a charter to Philly and we, we walked in the locker room and all of a sudden we realized that this was going to be a lot more serious than any of us had thought. So I went home, um, called my dad, and from that phone call, an idea came about where we started to realize that, wow, this is going to be serious. Um, and we got the potential to be forced to stay at home for weeks or, or months, whatever it happens to be. And speaking to my dad, we were, we were talking and we realized, well, if we can't train, there's going to be all kinds of kids that can't train. And so that's where the wheels started turning. And we thought this was, you know, the, the day of or the day after we realized we couldn't, uh, the earthquakes wouldn't be able to train anymore. We thought, you know what the kids are going to need is a, a training program that they can do at home. Um, and I thought, Okay, when I was a kid, I was very inspired by players like Ronaldinho or, or Messi or Ronaldo. And I remember I'd watch YouTube videos. I, I would watch um, the, the Jogo Bonito videos. I, I'd watch all kinds of videos where they're doing tricks. And as a kid, you just fall in love with that. 
And whenever you see something like that, you want to learn how to replicate it. And that, that started with the, the YouTube videos from Raldinho. It uh, continued to impact me because my dad would do things at his soccer camps called the trick of the day where he'd challenge everyone at the camp to do a trick. And if at the end of the camp you're able to do it, you get like a Pepsi or you get a pizza, whatever it happens to be. And so my dad and I came up with the idea of doing, all right, you know what we got to do is a virtual trick of the day. Let's get that started. Let's get kids engaged and let's see where it goes. Um, so I chopped up some old clips from when I was a kid, um, pushed something out, uh, called it the, the, the stay at home soccer challenge. And the MLS retweeted it. And next thing I know, there's, you know, 100,000 people watching these clips and kids across the country sending me in uh, footage that day of them actually completing the challenges. And from that point, I'm like, all right, we got to keep this thing going. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And, and you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big, lanky center back, right? And I don't have, you know, I, I was saying when I grew up, I, I watched a lot of those videos. I, I, I grew up on the original Ronaldo, um, you know, and, and I loved his skills. And I, I had like one or two tricks I could do. I could never do the, you know, the around the world. I'm watching videos where, you know, you're doing it four or five times. Um, and it's crazy just to see all these kids that, that they're all able to do that now because it's about their relationship with the ball. And uh, it was funny because when we talked about this last week about having you on, I, I went through some stuff and I said, oh, I'm going to send this guy maybe I'll send him a video of a move I, I do that not many people could do. And, and I think it was like a couple of days later, you posted it and you were doing it when you were like 14 or something <laughs> or years old. And I was like, it was kind of defeating because it was like, that was my one, that was my one thing, you know, that was the one thing I had. And this guy, he figured it out on his own, you know, uh, years ago, but um, it's, it's been really cool. And, and I think that, you know, watching these videos, these kids are so much more skillful now. Uh, and guys were when I was growing up, um, you know, the, I mean, hell, how they're all more skillful than me now. But um, do you feel like you're you're kind of leading this movement, uh, you know, where there haven't been a lot of American guys, you know, maybe Kyle Martino, um, you know, Stuart Holden a little bit. But do you feel like you're leading this movement for not only the professional guy, but the, the, the professional guy that's got all the cool skills that the kids want to see when you come to their school? Yeah, so that, that was the idea behind it. I'm thinking, okay, if Ronaldinho is able to do it for me and he's playing across the world, he's from a different continent, maybe I can do this for some young American soccer players in the United States. And so that, that, that's been the, the premise behind it. And it, it's been really interesting because, like you said, it's not ever been a staple in, in the American game. Um, but Matias Almeida coming to our – to our team, it's been such an interesting experience all of a sudden receiving these, these South American um, influences because that's, what, that, that's how I fell in love with the game. And I, I didn't put it together until uh, a couple months into the season. But, I mean, immediately I got along really well with him and I got along really well with uh, the players that he brought in guys like Christian Espinoza or Daniel Vega. And ever since I was 18, I juggle um, before every game. I juggle before every practice just because it's something I did. It wasn't because I wanted to show off. It wasn't because I wanted people to watch me. I just did it because I've been doing it since I was 10 years old. And the coolest thing happened where Christian Espinoza came in 
to one of the first training sessions we had after he signed with us. And he started doing the exact same thing that I've been doing for years. He started juggling and he started kicking the ball up in the air really high. And then he tried to control it and they keep juggling. They kicked up really high and he tried to control it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's my spirit. Like that's, that's what I do. And I think from that point on, I realized that there's, there's this South American, this South American influence on me. And it's all kind of came together right now with this coaching staff. And now I'm trying to share that uh, with, with more young players in the United States. Yeah. And you brought up your coach and uh, you know, one of the more interesting things I saw this week was uh, he got on IG live with you and y'all did, I mean, how long was that? Was it 30, 45 minutes or maybe even longer? I mean, yeah, it was an hour. An hour. You did, a, you did an IG live with a guy that's learning English and you're learning Spanish. I mean, y'all are both better at English and Spanish probably than I am, uh, vice versa, what I mean by that. And um, I just was so kind of – this is so new school, right? And, and, and I think you're, you've got – like you said, you found a guy that – uh, a coaching staff that embraces your personality and what you want to do off the field, right? Because for a long time, man, it, it was not like that. And there are still a lot of coaches in this league that they don't like the idea of guys having any life outside of the game. Um, and and this, this guy, I mean, I've been following him since they signed him. I followed him when he was at Chivas. Um, I, I, it's weird. Like, I don't know him. I, never, I just want him to win because I, I like the way that his players – like it seems like they love him and it seems like you particularly love him. And, um, you know, do you, you know, first question was, were you nervous doing that video with him? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, it, this all came together this week. Um, cause I didn't know any Spanish before he came. And when he arrived in, in January, we all went to Cancun and on that trip, I basically learned Spanish to where I was able to do uh, interviews when I came back. Not full interviews, but I was able to speak well enough to, to communicate my thoughts. And then since then, I've just been continuing to study. And it's, it's culminated into <laughs> that one hour long IG live to where we're actually speaking. Um, no translator, no anything. And he, he actually had just asked me to do it on... Uh, I think it was Monday. It was just just through WhatsApp. He's like, "Do you want to do you want to go uh, on Instagram Live?" You know, and I was just like, "Yeah, sure." And then that was it. There's no type of preparation. I didn't know what he was gonna ask me or how we're gonna do it. It was just like, "All right, me and Matias are going on IG Live. Let's see what happens." And uh, I think that's what he's about. You know, he's about honesty. He's about authenticity, and he doesn't want something to be rehearsed or he doesn't want any type of Hollywood influence on it. He just wants people to see two guys from across the world trying. I think that's a special type of outlook. Yeah, no, he's, he's incredible. I've talked to Wando about him. You know, he, Wando always says he, he stresses his music and treating people the right way. And, um, you know, it seems, I just thought, I, like I said, I was blown away. Um, I, I don't, think I know a single coach that I ever played for that uh you know and I, and I loved a lot of the coaches I played for I played for Dominic I know you played for Dominic um it was just one of those it was odd to me that uh that I thought they had to coerce him into doing it now you're telling me it was him it was his idea so that's even cooler but it was great because he seemed like he seemed like he cared about your answers but he was also you know grilling you on 
give me more, more, you know, that you're not giving me the answer I want. And, uh, it, it was, it was fun, man. So I'm really happy. Uh, you know, hopefully it's, in, it's in kind of interesting because it seemed like y'all had so much optimism going into this year, you in particular, um, you know, tell me, tell me, first of all, tell me about fitness testing coming in, what you did to get ready for that. And then, uh, how you've handled, kind of the excitement of the start of the year to you've been put on a hiatus now where you, you might have to reload that, uh, that process. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's my seventh year in the league. So I've got a good off season routine down to where I want to make sure I'm coming in fit and something that I've wanted to be clear on is that I, I have fun. You know, I, I dance, I do dance videos. I, I do tricks. I'm all about that kind of kind of stuff, but I'm also very serious about coming in prepared. And I've won uh, our our beep test for the last two years, and that's to make sure that there's a clear distinction between having fun and working hard. And I think that beep test is something that's universally understood, where it's basically run until you can't run anymore. And so part of this this uh, South American flair that I've experienced and have, have has really uh, live in my spirit has also motivated motivated me to really continue to push to almost add that traditional American hardworking spirit to it as well. You know, because I want to be uh, on both sides of that spectrum because I think there's amazing qualities in in, in each type of uh, each each type of influence. And then obviously to have it then all come to a screeching halt. You know, it was it was months of preparation in the off season. And uh, it takes a lot out of you. And all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, now the season's starting. Now I don't have to go through that again. It's going to take another year. I have nine months of enjoying being in shape, being in a routine. And so to have that taken from you after you just spent so long getting into the best shape of your, of your life, of your career, whatever it happens to be, to have it taken away after two games is tough. But I always try to keep perspective, especially in the most difficult times. And at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are struggling in a lot of different ways. And so I remind myself of that. And so instead of focusing on what I could be missing out on, I then just tried to put all of that energy into helping out kids the best way I knew how to. And that was to create a YouTube channel to have a skills program for kids to do at home while they're not allowed to practice with their teams. All right, that's awesome. What, uh, you know, I, I don't want to make it all serious. Uh, I, I noticed going back through some of your Instagram things, you've, you've never been uh, shy of taking a photo and posting it with your shirt off. Uh, are you, what are you doing to stay in shape in this, in this uh, downtime? I mean, are you still finding a way to work out every day and, and grind? Yeah, so we have uh, a makeshift gym in our garage. Which, which is nice, the, the team was able to get, because we're locked out of the facilities, so um, the team was able to give us some equipment. So I've been using that, because I live with JT Marcinkowski and Nick Lima and Jackson Ewell as well. So that's okay. been great for us to be able to, we have a two-car garage, so we just take the two cars out when we're working out, and then we go in there, we lift, we pretend like everything's normal for a little bit, and then we put the cars back in. Which is How do y'all decide who gets to park in that bad boy? <laughs> well, it's actually somewhat simple because Nick's got a big truck, so he can't fit. Okay. And then, and then there's also a, a parking garage underneath, so we okay. rotate. 
there, there's no real problem with the parking in this area, which is nice. Well, I'll just say you're 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 a young guy, and that you're 24, but you get you've got some tenure uh, in this league. You know, you've been around. Uh, for those that don't know, he was the first homegrown signing for for San Jose. Um, you know, back when you were 18, did I get that? Yeah, 18. 18. Yeah. Wow, so, you know your stuff. I'm impressed. Yeah, no, I, well. I've been following you for a while. Um, you're you're kind of one of those guys. If I was, you kind of hate them if you're playing against them. But I feel like I would love to have you on my team. You know, I love I love optimistic guys. I love guys with some swagger. Um, you know, and then I just think uh, you know from the guys I know that know you and played with you, they they all um, they all like you a lot. So you know that, and I I, I base. Uh, I base my opinion on, on your peers. So, yeah, I appreciate um, that. but, but no, I just think it's funny cause you are probably younger than some of these guys, but you got more tenure and, and that's always an interesting dynamic in a locker room. Um, oh, absolutely. Do, do you feel like you're uh, uh, still a young guy? Do you feel like you're a veteran or do you feel like you're both? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. How, how would you classify at, at what point in your career do you become a veteran? Say you take age out of it. We're just talking about four years. Four years. Yeah, so I'm on my seventh. Yep. So I, I was technically a veteran at 22, but, you know, there's still something you got to learn, and that comes with being just an older human being as well, you know, just being 18 years old. And I would say you don't adapt as quickly as a 22-year-old rookie coming into the league, you know? Oh, for sure. Um, but, yeah, I'd say I got a little bit of both. I think I'm more on the side of of a veteran now. Uh, I'd say when I was 21, 22, 23, having like four or five years underneath my belt, I was a little bit more in between. But I mean, now that I, I've been in a locker room with adults for so long, I feel like I, I, I understand how people treated me when I was 18. Because now looking at the younger kids, you, yep. you, you see the difference. And that's where everything comes full circle. Yeah, and, and, and your story's a bit different, too, in that, you know, the guys nowadays are coming straight out of high school. Uh, you did a year at Indiana. We, I don't really want to go too far into that. Um, but what I was talking to uh, some of the people at the PA when we talked about doing these, um, I'm going to lead – it's a leading question. Um, I talked about – they know that I collect weird memorabilia, and uh, I, wanted to, I wanted the guys that came on to do it, but I didn't think it would, it would be too hard to get guys to find it. But this – this is my Freddy Adu. I don't even, I think it's called a Russian doll, right? Or this yeah, thing right, goes. Yeah, yeah. So this is something I picked up when I lived in DC. Um, and the reason I bring that up, I actually talked to Freddy today. Uh, oh, just wow. kind of, kind of, he reached out to me randomly about something else. And, uh, and I, I bring Freddy up because, you know, there's two sides to the, the Tommy Thompson equation here, right? There's this, uh, this lovable guy that puts himself out there. And then you've got the, the soccer player, and I call it the soccer writers, right? These, these guys that uh, they, just, they don't look at you as a person, in my opinion. They, right. they just go out and they say, what are the results? And it's interesting that you would hear or read some of the articles that I've read about you where they – you're talking about a 24-year-old kid, right? You started – I started at 21, 22, really, so, and I played 13 seasons. So if you were to say you play – you're at 24. If you played 11 more seasons, that would be where I ended, and you would and you would be in 20 something years as a pro, right? But yet these people want to qu uh, quantify you and 
they love to make these comparisons. And I bring Freddie up because Freddie was the same way, right? He was this young phenom and the guy's doing commercials with Pele. Um, and they're saying he's the next Pele and it's, you know, Oh, he's going to be the, the next greatest player of all time. Um, and I feel like I read some of your, some of the articles written about you. And I feel, I feel, uh, kind of the same thing I feel about when I read about Freddie, right? It's just, it's these people's expectations are, are so much higher. Um, you know, and I, I bet none of them are higher than yours or your family's expectations, but at the same time, uh, how do you, how do you look at where you're at, you know, with what some of these people are saying uh, versus how much further you have to go and, and the opportunity you still have in front of you? Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a long answer. I mean, there's so much that goes into that. You know, so I remember the days where I was 18 and I was starting up top with Wando. And then people are, are writing about how I could be the next – like so and so for the u.s national team doing this this and this right and then all of a sudden the next year you know things change locker room changes um and then you have to adapt right but i think that's what's so dangerous for young players these days is that there's so much hype with the media the writers guys can get in their own head about it and they can start thinking that there's someone that they're not at that time maybe they will be that whatever people are saying that they are eventually. But you have to learn a lot of things. You have to learn a lot of things. And I, I think what I learned a ton after that initial, um, I don't want to say like explosion on the scene. That sounds a little bit dramatic. But, you know, coming into the league at 18 and starting for uh, an extended period of time was significant, especially when there wasn't that many players playing in the league back then. What I learned after all of a sudden having to go back to the drawing board a little bit over the next year, especially, was that you can't have anyone write your script for you. And that's what these writers do. The, the, and, you know, I don't blame them. It's their job. It's, it's what makes them money. And it's also what's good for the sport. And so the way I see it, you want to write about me, write whatever you want. But all of a sudden, what's, what the what the problem is that these players are reading it thinking that all of a sudden since this writer is saying this then my coach is going to do that like no 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 that's two different worlds completely and it goes on both sides of it right because there's players where writers will say that this guy's the next big thing and he's not but then there's other players where writers target and they say this guy's not good but the coach thinks he's good so whatever side you end up being on you can't listen to it. Like whether it's good or bad, what I read from people outside of my organization that I'm playing for, whether it's good or bad, it's got the same value. And I learned that when I was 19 years old and then I've kept that mentality for the rest of my career. And I think it's what, what's allowed me to be a part of an organization for so long with so many different coaches. I mean, I've had seven head coaches now, including yeah. the interims. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and, and so if all of a sudden I'm letting someone on the outside, and like, I appreciate the fact that they thought I was going to do this, this, or that, whatever it happened to be. But if that's going to now cause me to treat my coach differently or to expect something from my coach because of what a writer says, I mean, that's how you could get – you could fall into a bad standing with an organization very quickly. Yeah. Well, it seems like you got a good head on your shoulders. Uh, 
you know, do you, do you attribute that to, to your old man? I, you know, I'm from, I grew up in Tampa. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was born the year that he signed with the Rowdies, but, um, right, right. but, uh, I, I'm, that was the first team I went and watched play. And, um, you know, I know he was uh, a player there and then he also played in the USISL, I think, which was, uh, you know, I got to see them play. They had Tampa Bay Cyclones had a team when the NASL folded. So I, I go way back, um, with, with my fanship. Uh, he was your first coach, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. He so was, do you, he do you lean on him? Throughout my childhood. Do you, you lean on him for the things like, you know, tough times? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because the way we've gone about it is so different. You know, like <laughs> I remember when I was 12 years old and I started dancing, I would just come home after practice and I would just put on our boom box and I would just dance like in the garage. It'd just be me. I just love to do it. And my dad would walk in and be so confused because there, there was nothing in him that had like that type of musical interest. But then when it came to soccer, like his outlook was what I needed. You know, I had this other thing in me, but like this, this serious mentality where it's like, do everything you can to be prepared. Like try to win fitness tests, try to not be too optimistic in every situation. Like he kind of leveled me out to where I wasn't getting too high in good situations and I wasn't getting too low in bad situations. And that came from, you know, he's played in the Olympics, number one draft pick. He, he, he went through his fair share of soccer experiences. And so he was able to walk me through a lot of what I went through, especially throughout the first five or six years. But then <laughs> once Matias came, once Matias came and, and the whole translator situation was introduced, that was where there was definitely uh, – less input that, that, that could be helped because he had never experienced something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to experience that for six months uh, with Tata Martino in Atlanta. Um, and that was, it was interesting. Um, you know, and I, it's, it's interesting that you you're able to pick the language and navigate there, but no, that's cool, man. You know, I played with a lot of guys whose dads were professional players and a lot of them burnt out. Um, so it's good to see, you know, there's a handful of guys that I think Twelman and uh, Kenny Cooper, um, Connor Doyle, people that come to my mind uh, when I think of that. But not a lot of guys do it. I think they burn out. And as a parent, it kind of uh, I would be more I would be more interested to talk to your dad about how he raised you know uh, his kids to all go on to play at a high level. Um, just because I've seen I've seen more guys not do it um, than do it. So it's a credit to him and a credit to you guys. Speaking of your siblings, yeah, uh, three for three with me and my two brothers. Like Ty got drafted out of yep. after winning a national championship. Tanner got drafted in Minnesota. Yeah, and uh, yeah, is he still at Indy, uh, Tanner? Or no, he's he? not playing anymore. Now he's, he's done. Done working in Chicago. Okay, well, but he good. might he might be getting back into coaching pretty soon here, which could be exciting. Okay, and do you have any desire to to coach? I know you work with kids and. Um, you know, do you have any desire to do that? Uh, you know, you got a long way to go as a professional, but um, wh what are you thinking in terms of coaching? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I keep in close contact with, uh, you know, Todd Yeagley and, and Brian Mazenoff. Maze is now at Ohio State, um, but they were both at IU together when I was there. And 
I really enjoy talking to them now, especially that I've had so much experience with so many different coaching staffs. I feel like I have more knowledge to, to bounce off of like what they've experienced, what I've experienced. And that's been a, a shift that's been very educational for me. Cause then I feel like I'm now able to learn a lot more from them as guys who are, they're guys that are in it, you know, and, and I would definitely have an interest in, in doing something like that. And that, that's what gets me excited for my brother Tanner. Cause I mean, he's such a soccer guy. Um, and he, he always has been, I think when he steps back into a coaching role, um, he's going to fall right back in love with it. And I, I'm, I'm excited to hear about his firsthand experience. So you, you kind of reference him as a soccer guy, like you're not a soccer guy. Is, <laughs> yeah. Does that mean, uh, you know, where are your, where are your priorities? Is it, is it dancing <laughs> soccer or, or, I mean, what, what, uh, what's your passion? If, if his is soccer, what's yours? Yeah, no, I would say, I would say I'm, I'm definitely a soccer guy too. Um, but yeah, I like I I love music too as well. Like I, I play some instruments. I like to dance. Um, but I think what was funny about it is like Tanner and Ty, and this is what my dad would tell you. When it came to skills in the soccer camps or in the soccer practices, as a kid, like earlier on, <laughs> I was uh, I hated it. Right. I hated doing like the core, you know, like the core skills where you're doing like the taps and you go up and back, like all that stuff. I couldn't stand it. But then all of a sudden, like that Joga Benito area era, all of a sudden it just tapped into me where then I would do all this random stuff on my own. Um, and that was like more juggling stuff. And then all of a sudden that translated into skills in the game. And then that's where I took off from from a, a skills perspective. But it's funny because my, my brothers, Ty and Tanner, were always like soccer guys working hard. Where I'm like trying to skip out to go to the bathroom and everything. Like trying to make excuses to not have to do that first 30 minutes of skill work. <laughs> but then, but then my, my two brothers were just such soccer heads. So it's, it's funny to, to think about all of our uh, progression through youth soccer to pros. Yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I'm the youngest of four boys. And uh, I always thought my brother was – uh, one that played above me was better, uh, but I ended up making it and he didn't. So I was also a short fat kid until like sophomore year of high school. So I was real skillful and then I got real tall and I could still see the play that I wanted to do. My body just didn't agree. It would say, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So and it's tough being the youngest. Cause you, you always think that you're struggling cause you're, you're playing with your brother's teams. You're playing against your brothers. Like, man, these guys are so good. But then all of a sudden, once you hit that certain age where the physicality of it levels out a bit, you start to see like, oh, okay, this has paid off for the past 10 years. And when did, when did, when did you hit that one? <laughs> that was maybe – once I started playing with the Quakes Reserves, um, okay. when I was like 16 or 17, no, nah, probably 16, was when I started realizing like, wait, this – this could be something here, but I was always playing for clubs in Sacramento, uh, like with my dad. I, I didn't play for the academy in Sacramento, because um, I, I liked my dad's coach. I wasn't too occupied with the, you know, the academies were, were in their infancy at that time. I wasn't too occupied with that, so we were just kind of in our little incubator, developing, 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 and then all of a sudden, just once I hit that moment where I got a little bit faster, got a little bit bigger, it was just like... Now I'm living with Kari Stevenson in yeah. San Jose. <laughs> yeah, and he 
Speaking of big guys, holy crap. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Well, uh, I'll throw it back. We, you, you brought up dancing, you know, I, I, you know, you, you're great in terms of putting stuff out from, I think there's videos of you dancing in London on the street and, uh, you know, there's a, looks like a, like a lip sync battle or some kind of competition <laughs> yeah. as, a, as a kid that you won, which I think you won money in high school, which I'm pretty <laughs> sure is an NCAA violation of some kind. Um, but tell me about the dancing. I, I, I watch you dance and my knees start to hurt uh, just watching it. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering how your body even – I'm more worried about you hurting yourself dancing than I am you playing soccer at this point. <laughs> yeah, I had to stop the style of dancing. It's definitely shifted a lot. With, like, some of the stuff I was doing in high school, I look back at those videos, I'm like, man, I don't know what I was thinking. I look at my dad, I'm like, dad, why didn't you tell me to stop doing at least that move where I'm, like, falling on the ground all the time? But, uh, no, it's it's been fun. I, I just, like I said, I just, it's something I fell in love with. It's the same type of thing with the skills and the around the world and all that. It, it just clicked with me. And uh, just at you know, 11 or 12 years old, I remember going to like my first seventh grade dance. And there's always like a couple kids who are really good at dancing, um, even at that age. And I remember seeing them like inside the dance circle, right? And I'm in seventh grade, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I remember feeling like insecure about my own body movements. And then I look at guys who are so confident and secure in what they're doing. And at that point, as a seventh grader, I'm like, all right, I got to figure this out because I want to be able to do what they're doing for the rest of my life. And then from that point on, I mean, it took a while, but now I'm, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm comfortable with music. Would you say you're, you're in the top echelon of dancers in MLS? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. I would say so. I, I'm still waiting for someone to do my uh, 2C slide challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I see you're doing the challenges. I mean, I think like my kids – they're they're all about TikTok, man, and uh, the challenge is all over TikTok, and I, I I don't even know how to work that thing, so I couldn't even I I probably should have looked up to see if you're even on there, um, but I think that's the way to go if you're gonna do it is uh, the TikTok challenges. Oh, but I'm talking about MLS players. I'm trying to get no, some I, of the MLS guys on the two. I know, but well, I mean that's the thing is, and, and this is what I say. Uh, you know, I was gonna wrap it up, but let's. I, I what well, you got me going. <laughs> Uh, a guy like you that, you know, I, I talk to people in the league all the time about this. I say that they do no offense to the league, but um, they do a poor job of marketing guys. And, and you're, you're a perfect example. Um, you know, a lot of the stuff you're doing on your own. I mean, heck you had your coach uh, doing I, his idea, doing the IG live. Like you guys have, there, there are guys around the league. Every team has these, these guys that are just so eclectic and, and unique. And I think we're lucky. Uh, we're one lucky that you're, you who you are and you're comfortable in your own skin like you just talked about but two we're lucky that you have a coach now that's embracing that and pushing it because that's been the biggest problem over the years was uh guys had these these skills and these things that were very marketable but the coaches would suppress it right and i understand why on some level right it's like if you're great at something and you're posting videos and then you go out and you lay a dud in the game right. you know people are People are going to say, Tommy's too focused on his dance career. Right, exactly. um, uh, he's not focused enough on the game. But, but you know, then there's guys on your team that are playing Fortnite for right. 17, 17 hours a day, and their eyes are bleeding. And, oh, my God. And they come in and lay an egg. But because they're not putting it out on the Internet, uh, people are just like, oh, well, he just had a bad day. So, um, yeah, I, no, I, Oh, my gosh. I could write a book on 
everything that you just addressed, uh, for sure, like that type of stuff can get stomped out of you, whether it's from coaches, whether it's from the media, or whether it's from players and in your own locker too. room. It could, yeah. it could, or fans, whatever. It could be coming from anywhere. And that's what cracks me up about it. Because 100%, I understand. Like, everyone's going to have bad games. I'm going to have a bad game. Someone else is going to have a bad game. But like you said, I think about guys who are doing absolutely nothing, and then all of a sudden guys aren't going to throw stuff back from their past at them, you know? And the way I see it is, like, you guys in the workforce. Like, if guys in the workforce are working and then they, they, they have a bad week or a bad couple months of performance, whatever it, has, whatever it happens to be, it's not like, oh, that guy's got a hobby. Like, that's, that's the reason why he's struggling, you know? Or say someone has a baby. Obviously, a baby takes up a lot of yeah. energy. Say, yeah. like, a teammate has a baby. But that's oh, accept- that guy but, had a baby. <laughs> but that's acceptable. That's acceptable drama as opposed right. to, Yeah. Yeah, but but then it's like, okay, if I don't want – I mean, this could be – maybe this is a little bit radical. But it's like, okay, I'm young. I don't want to have a baby. I'm going to spend the exact same amount of time that it needs on a hobby. And obviously, a baby's more than a hobby. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's a pretty crazy point. But what I'm saying is that there's these guys who are young before they have a family. They have all kinds of time. And if they don't use it productively – they're safe from this criticism. But all of a sudden, if they start doing other things, it can just, if it's not soccer, it could just get thrown at you. And even if it is soccer, if it is skills, then they'll get thrown at you as well. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a funny world we live in, but I mean, it's just something you have to deal with. I, I'm not complaining. I've, I've been, yeah, no, years. I think you're doing it the right way, you know, and you got to have thick skin. I, I think, like I said, it goes back to maybe the way you were, you, you came in at a young age and you learned a lot. Um, you know, and you, you've kind of withstood some, some coaches. You've had a lot of coaches and you've seen um, you're still here, right? And, and they're not. So take that for what it's worth. But, um, you know, I hope, I hope that you continue to, uh, to do you because I think, I think you will become more successful on the field. Um, you know, I think you've been great up till now, but, um, you know, maybe more successful in the eyes of, of people that quantify stats, you know, depending right. on, if you're going to stay playing outside back or midfield or forward, um, you know, I think for me, it's more about contributing and making those guys around you better. It sounds like you're doing that uh, both on and off the field. So I just hope that in the good times and the bad times, guys like you continue to push the narrative of, Hey, I'm more than a soccer player. Um, You know, I'm a, I'm a personality, I'm a human. And, you know, people, people that, that see that, I think they love it. Uh, Me personally, I love it. Uh, and I think that the fans do, it's just, like I say, you, you get some quarterbacks on the, on the couches that, that don't, and, and that can ruin it for a lot of people. But I, I think we're in a kind of a new era and I'm, I'm hoping that you're one of these, one of these guys that, that leads the way, uh, into that new era and it allows more guys to, to show their personality, uh, in yeah, the locker room. You're absolutely right. And you just, you just said it perfectly that that's actually, when I started to, come to these conclusions, I guess you could call it like somewhat of an epiphany. That's exactly what I told myself is that I am more than a soccer player. Um, Cause I would quite literally have people telling me like, why are you dancing? Or like, why are you playing piano? I've even had people say like, why are you learning Spanish? 
like you're a soccer player. You need, I mean, the, the Spanish one was less common, obviously, because that's pretty hard to criticize. But still, people found a way to criticize. Yeah. And, uh, and it's like, because I'm, I'm a soccer player, but I'm more than that. People at their jobs are encouraged to have hobbies. But for some reason, as, as professional athletes, if I'm playing the piano on Instagram, it's like, oh, at 7 p.m. on a Thursday, he should be doing something involving soccer. Otherwise, if he loses that game on Saturday, that is why, because he's playing piano. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just this crazy mindset that is within the industry and the people looking at the, the industry as well. So, I mean, it's just something you got to deal with, but I mean, it's, been, it's, been a fun, uh, it's been a fun experience. It's definitely challenging, but I think it's, it's all growth, so I'm grateful for it. Yeah, that's awesome. What, uh, you want to plug anything you got, what are you working on? I know you were, uh, you know, you've been a humanitarian of the year in San Jose and you're always working, you know, uh, your work with kids is extensive. What, uh, other than anything we haven't brought up, uh, you know, what are you working on charity wise or, or getting out to the public? Yeah, I think the biggest thing right now, like the most topical resource is that that youtube channel i created at it's tom tom 11 t-o-m-t-h-o-m 11 and it's got like over 100 videos of uh basically my dad's skill program um that he had me and my two brothers do for the last you know 10 15 years and it's the same program that i still do today in order to prepare for that and uh, uh, it's actually uh, because I'm so motivated to work on my fitness because I'm not just running laps. I'm, I'm running with the ball so I can feel my skills improving as well as my endurance. And uh, Shay Salinas was actually doing something that was taught on the, on the videos called the series. He just sent me a video of him doing it uh, this morning, which okay. got me fired up. I'm like, man, even pros are, 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 are learning from these uh, YouTube videos. Like, this, is a, this could be a really cool thing. And so we, we created the whole channel. It's all, it's all public. Um, and over the last two weeks, it's gone from eight subscribers to like 640. And then it's gone from like 500 views to like 60,000. And so it's something that a lot of clubs are using and a lot of kids are benefiting from. So I'm just trying to get the word out there. So more people, if they, if they need ideas on, on something that they could do in their front yard or their garage, it's up there. Well, that's awesome, man. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll plug that not only uh, here, but get the PA to, to plug that on uh, all social channels. Where can we find you on, uh, on social media? We got, I know your Instagram, he's always with his shirt off, uh, <laughs> you know, or dancing. Um, what about, uh, you know, Twitter? Tell us, tell us your handle so people know where to find you. Yeah, so if you're looking for me on anything, it's all at TomTom11, T-O-M-T-H-O-M-11. That's Twitter, Instagram, uh, even TikTok now. Working on that there one. There you go. That TikTok, man. A kid, I, my kids are going to know you before you know it, man. They'll be following you. And that's, that's one of the acceptable ones. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I actually just got a text from the, the – have you heard of the Players' Tribune? Yeah, yeah. They just – uh, one of the guys there just texted me uh, saying they want to use the 2C slide on their TikTok. There you so go. There you go. TikTok's got power. Oh, it's a big one nowadays. So uh, we'll that's, see what happens. that's awesome, man. Well, uh, 
you know, I think, uh, appreciate having you on. Uh, we're all affected by this, uh, this coronavirus stuff. And, um, you know, me personally, uh, I lost my father this week and I, uh, I stayed up last night, like watching your channels for uh, a couple hours and you, you got a great smile and you got a great energy. And, uh, you know, I think guys like you are, are really good for what's going on. So, uh, if, if we can plug you, get you more out there, uh, I think it's awesome. And, you know, when the time is right, uh, get back out there and ball on the field. But in the meantime, man, just keep doing you and, and, and guys like me really appreciate it. Well, I'm, I'm really sorry, man. I'm really glad that it brought some happiness because that's exactly what we're trying to do. That's what my dad and I were trying to do. And that's what Matias wanted to do with the IG live yesterday is he, he wants to find a way to bring some type of joy in this difficult time right now. I mean, everyone's been affected in one way or the other. And so that's what we're trying to do. That's the mission. And I'm glad it, it had a positive effect on you. I'm, I'm yeah, really no, it's, it's awesome, man. So keep, keep doing you. And, uh, you know, you got a fan here in Houston and, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep keeping on and, and we'll see you when, uh, when you come to town, when you guys finally resume uh, playing. Uh, that sounds good. Thank, thanks right, for Tommy. having me. Appreciate it, Bobby. Th thanks, brother. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Play By Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at mlsplayers.org.